Good morning, everyone. My name is Stuart Mazell. I'm the pastor. I want to thank all of you for being here, uh, both for our new guests and for those of you who have been here for a long time. Thank you for attending. And for those of you who are attending online, uh, thank you for tuning in. And uh, we are continuing our series on the truth about truth. I'm sorry, I'm a little distracted because there's this tie up here. And I'm wondering if somebody's trying to give me a hint that they want me to wear this. I don't think it will match. I'm going to stuff that right back in there. Okay. So we've been going through uh, looking at various passages of Scripture talking about the truth. And today we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verse 11 to 19, but we're mainly going to be camping out in the last, uh, from verse 15 to verse 19. So, this is what God's word says in uh, 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 19. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philaetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Let me pray for us. Um, Father, once again, we are thankful that you've given us your truth in your word. We need ears to hear and hearts to receive and minds to understand your truth. So will you give that to us today by your spirit that every person who is listening to your word read and the sermon that I'm about to preach would hear what you want them to hear. And that by your spirit you would be at work in each one of us where faith is needed, give us faith. Where repentance is needed, give us repentance. Where obedience is needed, give us obedience. Where understanding is needed, give us understanding. Whatever it is that we need, Lord, and you know what we need better than we know ourselves, meet us where we are by your spirit and do just what you want to do uh, during this time for our good 
for your glory and even for the good of the community around us. Uh, we pray in the name of Jesus and for his glory and yours, Father and Holy Spirit, our one true God, three in one. Amen. So imagine you've been out and about running errands around town. And now you're coming home. You drive into your driveway. You look over at your front porch, your front door, and you see this. Now obviously, the person who delivered that package either did not read Fragile Handle with Care or did not care to handle with care, right? And that's why it looks like it's just been sat upon and beat on and all that kind of stuff. It's not been handled with care. As I look at that picture and I think about it, you know, sometimes we handle things with care because they are fragile, like this package. But other times we handle things with care, not because they're fragile, but because they're really, really important, really significant. We handle them with care, not because they're about to fall apart, but because they're so precious and so good. And I can think of nothing more significant, more important than the truth. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, that the truth about truth is this. Truth should be handled with care. Truth should be handled with care. Now, if you haven't been with us, this will be new news, maybe, or, and if you have been with us, this is hopefully a review, but what we've seen so far in this series is that truth is that which conforms to what actually is, right? It's about reality, and that's why it's important for us to handle the truth with care, because if we don't, we are swerving from what is real. We're swerving from reality, Think about the passage that I just read from 2 Timothy. Uh, Paul mentions Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have uh, swerved from the truth. It says in 2 Timothy 2, 17 and 18. Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened, and they're upsetting the faith of some. If you don't understand what's going on here, basically what Hymenaeus and Philetus are saying is that they know that at some point in the future, God is going to raise all of the dead and there's going to be a final judgment. And they were saying, that's already happened. So they had swerved from the truth because it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened yet. And so because they were saying it has happened, they were upsetting people because they had swerved from the truth. Now, one of the things I think about, I can't help when I read this passage, and this shows you where my mind is, um, I can't help but think about pin the tail on the donkey. You know the game, pin the tail on the donkey? You know, you, you have a picture of a donkey minus the tail, and then, you know, the kids stand around and the, you blindfold them and then you spin them around, and then you put a tail in their hand and say, okay, now put that where the tail belongs. When I was a kid, I remember playing at a birthday party one time, and there was this one kid who, I mean, if he had walked straight, it would have gone right where the tail belonged. But the kid like went like this and went to the other wall. I mean, what's going on with that kid? What's wrong with him? But that's what it's like when we swerve from the truth. We miss the bullseye. We miss 
what we're supposed to be going towards. And swerving from the truth is worse than just swerving from a picture of a donkey and pin the tail on a donkey. It's fighting against reality. When you swerve from the truth, you're swerving from what, what is real, and it can have disastrous results. Think about this. Imagine someone comes to you and says, you've been lied to all your life. Human beings really can breathe underwater. I know that you've been told that they can't, but it's actually good for you. To get a big lung full of water clears out your pores. Now, most of you are going to go, that's stupid. I would never believe that in a million years. But what if you believe the lie? What would happen if you go down to the river and you walk in all the way over your head and you take in a big lungful of river water? You swerve from the truth and there's going to be something disastrous that's going to happen to you. And that's what Paul is saying here. We don't want to swerve from the truth. We want to stay on the truth. We want to handle the truth with care. That's why he says in uh, 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 17, but avoid irreverent babble. Irreverent babble. There's a lot of irreverent babble out there in the world today. And whatever Paul may mean by irreverent babble, in context it's easy to see that it's something that's not true. It's something that swerves from the truth. And he goes on to say, avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. So if you swerve from the truth, it's going to lead to ungodliness. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but ungodliness is not good for us. I, I know the lie is that it's actually good for you, but it's not. Think about it this way. God designed us to live a certain way. God designed us, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. He's the one who has the instruction manual, so to speak, of how we are to operate. And the best way that we operate is in a godly way, in a way that reflects who he is. And so when we swerve from the truth of how God has made us, it can lead to disastrous results. That's why we're to avoid irreverent babble. That's why we are to not go into more and more ungodliness, but we're to seek the truth, to live in the truth, because otherwise it can be disastrous for us. When you don't use something the way it's meant to be used, when you don't treat something the way it's meant to be treated, it, it's bad. For example, rat poison is really good for killing rats. It is not good as a condiment on your sandwich. You use rat poison as a condiment on your sandwich, it's not going to be great for you. Right? And that's what Paul is saying here, that we avoid reverent babble. It'll lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Now, I'm going to apologize ahead of time for what you're about to see. All right? But if you don't know what gangrene is, and you don't know what it looks like, here's an image. 
here's a foot that has been infected by gangrene. Gangrene is a condition where a body part like this foot fails to get enough blood flow. And because it doesn't get enough blood flow, the tissue starts to die. And it spreads quickly. And if it's not treated quickly, you can die. That's the imagery that Paul brings up in this passage. He's saying that falsehood spreads like gangrene and it's deadly. It's bad. This is what falsehoods are like. They spread quickly and they have detrimental and disastrous results. Before we move on to the next point, there's something I've been wanting to say in this sermon series for a long time, and I just haven't found the right place to put it. This is probably not the right place to put it, but I'm going to say it anyway because I know I'm not going to be able to say it in the next sermon. So I'm just going to put it here because I think in some ways it fits. When we're talking about falsehood and the spread of falsehood, one of the things that needs to be said about falsehoods is that falsehood, all falsehoods, are insidious. Okay, they're sneaky, they're crafty, they're subtle sometimes. Not every lie is bold in your face. In fact, the best lies are the ones that seem like they're really true, they seem like they're trustworthy, they seem like they're reasonable, they seem like they're legit. And that's because lies are parasitic on the truth. If, if you're having a hard time grasping what I'm saying, listen to this uh, quote from C.S. Lewis in the book Mere Christianity, and then I'll, he's talking about wickedness in general. We're going to apply it to truth and lies. C.S. Lewis writes, wickedness, when you examine it, turns out to be the pursuit of some good in the wrong way. Goodness is, so to speak, itself. Badness is only spoiled goodness. And there must be something good first before it can be spoiled. Evil is a parasite, not the original thing. In other words, what C.S. Lewis is saying is that God is good, and he was original. He was first. There was no evil in him. And so good starts off as good, and it doesn't have to have evil in order for there to be good. But evil cannot exist apart from good. It is always borrowing something from goodness. The same is true for lies. The truth can exist by itself, but a lie cannot exist apart from borrowing something from the truth. It's always parasitic on the truth. And that's why it's so important for us to handle the truth with care. Because sometimes those statements that seem really, really true can have just enough falsehood in them to be disastrous for us. Handling the truth with care is important. It's vital. And this is true of all truths, no matter what the truth is, but it is especially true when it comes to handling the truth of Scripture. 
Okay? It, it is true that we should handle all truth with care. But when we're handling the truth of Scripture, we really need to make sure that we're handling it well. Look, none of us want to go to a doctor who doesn't handle truth correctly. Imagine going to a doctor and, you know, you get all the blood work and stuff, and, and then the doctor says, well, it looks like you have cancer, but I think if you take this silly putty and you stick it up your nose and leave it in there for a couple of hours, you'll be fine. You need to get a second opinion, right? Because that guy is not in the truth. He is not operating on the truth. He's not handling the truth carefully. And in the same way, when we look at the scriptures, like Nathan preached last week from John 17, where Jesus is praying and he says to God the Father, your word is truth. That's what we believe the scriptures are. Your word is the truth. And so we need to handle the truth with care. That's why Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. A couple of things I need to say here before we move on. So, if we're going to handle this truth correctly, one of the things we have to recognize is that Paul wrote these words to a guy named Timothy. That's why it's called 2 Timothy. And Timothy had some kind of ministry position in Ephesus. And so Paul is specifically saying to Timothy, you need to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly uh, handling the word of truth, right? So if we're going to apply this in a specific way, it really belongs to people like me, pastors, teachers, right? First and foremost, we're the ones that have to hear this. We're the ones who have to say, okay, am I handling the truth carefully? In our Sunday school class in the fellowship hall, we've been going through the book of James. And recently we hit chapter 3, which says, Not many of you should be teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. It's always important for us to remember that those of us who do teach those of us who do pastor and preach, those of us who have any kind of speaking engagement with people, we need to recognize that, hey, this is important to handle the truth correctly. And it's something I try to take very seriously with you all. Because I don't want to swerve from the truth. I want to hit that mark right on. But... If you're thinking that, well, this just applies to people like Stuart, you know, pastors, you know, Stuart and Nathan, maybe are Sunday school teachers, but everybody else is off the hook, you'd be wrong. You know why I say that? Because while this passage does firmly address one person, Timothy, it's to be read by the whole church, not just one person. In, in a passage in Colossians, Colossians 3, 16, we read this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The you there is plural. It's y'all. All y'all. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in all y'all richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Now, how are you going to do that if you don't handle the truth correctly yourself? So it does apply to you. It applies to me, first and foremost, as a pastor, but it applies to you, too. And so let's take a look at this passage and think about what it says. It says, 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to handle the scriptures correctly, the word of truth correctly. Do your best. Not just, oh, well, let me give it a couple of minutes, you know, once a week. (laughs) No, do your best. Make every Really work at this. And then he goes on to say, do your best to present yourself to God. You know, sometimes we think when we're reading the scriptures, it's all about us. What do I get out of it? What am I supposed to do? And, and there's a part of that that is true. Yeah, it, it is to be applied to us. But we need to remember that all the scriptures are to point us back to God. And so as we're reading the scriptures, we're to present ourselves to God and my embracing of the truth is to say, is an act of worship to God. This isn't just me reading a text. This is me interacting with the holy, sovereign God of the universe. Every time I open the scriptures and I read what is there, I am engaging with God. And the same is true for you. So we're to present ourselves to God as we read, as we study, as we do our best to present ourselves to God. And he goes on to say, as a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I do not know why I'm handing. I don't know why I'm just holding on to this water and not drinking it when I really need to. Yeah, a worker who has no need to be right, ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Look, you don't, you don't want to be that guy who someone comes to you and says, hey, what do Christians believe about X? And you go, oh, oh no. You don't want to be that guy. You want to not be ashamed, but even more so about not being ashamed with each other or with people out there. You don't want to be ashamed before God. God says, hey, I gave you that book. I gave you instruction. I gave you words about me and words about you and words about the world and words words about salvation. What do you think? Well, I never actually got through it. Never really spent that much time in it. Really? God has given us his word. And so we're to be workers who have no need to be ashamed because we're handling the word of truth with care. (laughs) All right, I'm going to address an issue right now that's a little bit like walking a tightrope, so be patient with me. Um, We live in a day and an age where um, people who have read a book or they read a few articles online or they watch a few YouTube videos, suddenly they think they're experts on a subject. I mean, that's just the case. We see that in the medical field. We see that in every other field. We see that in the church. Um, One of my seminary professors used to say, a little knowledge can be a dangerous thing. Um, But on the other hand, there are some people 
who, if the pastor says it, it must be true. Because he's the pastor. Okay? See the tightrope I'm trying to walk right now? Look, there are people who know more than you do about the scriptures. That's just the fact. And we need to give weight to those folks who have done the study. They've done their due diligence. They have really studied and worked hard. But at the same time, just because someone has done due diligence, just because they've studied more than you and they know more than you, that doesn't mean that they are right. You hear what I'm saying? It's a hard tightrope to walk on. You have to really balance a lot there. We have to balance the truth that there are some people who know the scriptures better than we do, and we do need to give them weight, but there's also the fact that they might be wrong. They might swerve from the truth. I bet Hymenaeus and Philaetus, I bet they knew a lot of scripture. But they swerved from the truth. So, I may be foolish to say this, but I just want to throw this out there. Look, I've been a Christian for at least 30-some years. I have a master's degree in a master's of divinity and a master's of theology. I spent five years studying, and I've spent the last 17 years of my life as a pastor studying the scriptures, thinking about the scriptures, teaching the scriptures, preaching the scriptures. As an ordained pastor in the PCA, which is one of the hardest denominations to become a pastor in. All right, because of the stringent, the very stringent examinations that we have to have in Bible, theology, government, church government, church history, sacraments, church discipline, Greek and Hebrew. And then we also have to be uh, examined in preaching, theological writing and exegetical writing. And me personally, I've served on the Candidates and Credentials Committee, which is the one that examines people for all of those things for the last 12 years. And eight of those years I've been a chairman. So I have paid my dues, and I do my due diligence when it comes to studying, but that doesn't mean that I'm always right, okay? Yet give weight, but know that I might swerve. Trust, but verify. That's the phrase I keep throwing around now, trust, but verify. And that's why I love this passage in Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11, where we see Paul and Silas, they come away to this place called Berea, and they arrive there, and there's this Jewish synagogue, and they go in and they teach. And it says in verse 11, these Jews, the ones in Berea, were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all eagerness. You hear that? They trusted Paul, and they eagerly took it in. They gave weight to what Paul said, but also they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They verified. Trust, but verify. Don't just take my word for it. Go to the scriptures and read. And if you come to a different conclusion, let's talk. Come to me and talk about it. Because maybe I'm wrong. Or maybe I'm not. But either way, that conversation would be good for both of us. Hear what I'm saying? Thank you. And, and here's, oh, goodness gracious. Okay, here's one of the things that we need to say 
all of what we've been saying about handling the scriptures. Look, we need to handle the scriptures carefully because it is far too easy to twist them to say what we want them to say. This is just one of those truths that we just have to, we have to be aware of. It is far too easy to twist the scriptures to say what we want them to say. And this is not something new to our age. Way back in the 1500s, there was a guy named William Tyndale. You you may have heard of his name because he is famous for translating the Bible into the native language of his people. And there were people that he was argue, he, he argued against a group of people who were interpreting the scripture a certain way, and he said that they weren't interpreting it correctly. And here's what he says. Here's his quote. He says, if the, scriptures, if the scripture be contrary, then they, these folks he's talking about, make it a nose of wax and rest it this way and that till it agree. In, in other words, what he's saying is, They go to the scriptures and they twist it and they turn it like wax until it says what they want it to say, not what it actually says. I think this is one of the reasons why Southern Presbyterians in the 1800s, like Benjamin Palmer and Robert Dabney, and Henry James Thornwell, Thornwell was one of the pastors over in uh, First Pres in Columbia. I think that's why they used the scriptures to defend slavery. Because they wanted it to be true. They wanted to defend slavery because they thought that was what they needed to do. And they read into the scriptures things that... It was actually contrary to what scriptures say. But you know what? We're guilty of doing the same things. That's why we need to handle the truth with care. Because it's just too easy for any of us to twist the scriptures to be what we want them to be. To say what we want them to say. In fact, sometimes if you're, not, if you're reading the scriptures and you're not coming to a point where you go, I don't agree with that. I don't think you're reading the scriptures correctly. Do you hear what I'm saying there? If there's not something in the scriptures that make you a little uncomfortable and you go, I don't know about all that, you're probably not reading it correctly. You're probably interpreting it to fit you, not the God who is. Let me tell you, I mean, I read the scriptures and there are times where I go, really God? That's what you want me to get out of that? That doesn't sound right. And that's when I realized, well, wait, who's right? Me or God? The one who created all things, the one who is the the author and perfecter of everything, the one who is true truth, or some guy who, like, you know, sometimes can't even add. And that's true. (laughs) Terrible at math. Now, all this has been kind of negative, kind of a bummer. But I do want you to see one thing, and it's going to start off a little negative, but it's good news for us. We need to hear this. Look, if we fail to see how the scriptures point us to Jesus, we have failed to understand them correctly. 
Let me say that again. If we fail to see how the scriptures point us to Jesus, we have failed to understand them correctly. You want to handle the scriptures? You want to handle the word of truth? Well, make sure you get back to Jesus. Don't make everything about your pet peeves or your pet issues. I, I hate it when I hear political people use the scriptures to try to argue their points when they're not taking all of the scriptures into account. I hate it. Because that's the very thing that Jesus is warning us about. In fact, in John 5, 39, he says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Not about your political agenda, about Jesus. In Luke 24, 27, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to his disciples in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. A little later on in that same chapter, Jesus said to his disciples, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, and everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Get this point if you don't get anything else. The one who died for you the one who rose from the dead for you, the one who took all your sin upon himself so that you could be free, that's what the scripture's about. Not your moral issues. Yeah, God speaks to moral issues, but those moral issues point us back to Jesus, the one we need. You can't live your life as some law-abiding citizen and miss Jesus. If you do, you're not really a law-abiding citizen. Do you get what I'm saying? The scriptures are about Jesus. And that's why we, as the church, we need to make that our focus. We need to make Jesus more important, because he is more important than any other issue. Yeah, all the issues need to be talked about, sure. But if we never get back to Jesus, if we never point people to Jesus... If we don't make Jesus central, we're missing the point. Like the kid, when I was at, uh, a kid at, uh, at that party, who swerved from the donkey and went to the other wall, that's what we're doing. Missing the whole point. So if you like action points, here's one for you today. Endeavor to know and understand God's truth. <laughs> Endeavor to know and understand God's truth. And now, if you're using a worship guide and it doesn't have what I'm about to say in it next, it's because it's hot off the press. It happened yesterday. For some of you, you know that my family, uh, we went up to New York last week and I came back yesterday, uh, Friday, we came back late on Friday and yesterday I came over here and I looked over my sermon and I said, this is a mess. I need to redo this whole thing. So I did. Huh. And you're probably like, I wish you had done the first one. <laughs> but I came up with, it just hit me, that, okay, what does it mean to endeavor to know and understand God's truth? What does it look like? And, and I started thinking, okay, I want to pay, have you ever heard the phrase, pay rapt attention? R-A-P-T, rapt. It means deeply engrossed, absorbed attention. You're really 
um, uh, zoomed in. You're really focusing. That, that's, that's our acronym for today, wrapped. You endeavor to know and understand God's truth this way, by ruminating on the scriptures. And if you don't know what ruminate is, we talked about this in our life group a few weeks ago, and I think a few people got disgusted. What a cow does with its cud, it chews it, swallows it, brings it back up, chews it some more, swallows it, brings it back up, chews it some more, until it gets every little thing out of it. That's a little disgusting. But that's what we're to do about scriptures. Ruminate on them. Chew on them. And chew on them some more. And think about what the truth is over and over and over again. Especially on how it leads us to Jesus. Again, don't miss that. If you're chewing on the scriptures and you never get to Jesus, you're not chewing it good. Chew it better. Chew it until you get to Jesus. The A in in wrapped is ask questions in community. One of the things that I find is when you're off by yourself and you're watching uh, stuff on YouTube or reading articles online and you're only doing it by yourself, you're probably going to end up swerving from the truth. That's just the case. Ask questions in community. Get into a community of people who really want to know the truth and ask questions, even the hard questions. And I can't think of a better way to do that than in a life group. And if you're not involved in a life group, there's Paul back there. Better call Paul. He will tell you how to get involved in a life group where you can ask those questions in community. The P in wrapped is pray. If God is the God of truth and God has given us, breathed out his word to us, why would we read the scriptures without saying, God, help me to understand? Just pray. Pray, God, help me to understand. And then finally, and we already mentioned this earlier, the T, and I'm I'm cheating a little bit here, uh, trust those who teach faithfully, but also verify what they say. Be like the Bereans, Take it in with enthusiasm and trust, but also go back to the scriptures and verify. I would, it would please me to no end to know that all of you went back to the scriptures this week and read over them and said, I want to make sure that Stuart's saying the right thing. And come back and say, I agree with you. Or, I don't agree with you. Even that would please me. If you say, let's talk. I want to know more. And if you're wondering, I I know we're going a little bit long, but if you're wondering, wait a second, Stuart, where in that wrapped is practicing the truth, living out the truth? You're just talking about understanding. You're not talking about actually doing anything. Have I got a sermon for you? (laughs) Next week, that's what the whole sermon is going to be about, practicing the truth living out what we know to be true. You don't want to miss that one. All right, so let's make every effort, let's make every effort to handle God's truth with the care it deserves. Let me pray for us that we'll do that.
Lord Jesus, you are good. And you've given us your truth. You are truth. And we want to know your truth. We want your truth to set us free. We want your truth to guide us in in all good things. We want to go with the grain of the way we were designed, not swerving from the truth and going against the grain. So by your spirit, meet us where we are. Give us what we need. Help us to know your truth, to believe your truth, to live in your truth. And let that truth truly transform us from the inside out. Amen.